Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. I am Charlie Birkinshaw, VP of Student Success over here at Food Biz Whiz, and we are back with another episode in our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie? In this series, I help students inside our retail-ready community think through pivotal decisions that they are about to make in their business to help them determine whether or not moving forward with that decision is worth it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. As I said, my name is Charlie Birkinshaw, and in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and advise our students inside our Retail Ready course and community. In today's episode, I will be sitting down with fellow Retail Ready student Priya Osori of Anar Gourmet Foods to help her talk through whether or not it's worth it to expand her product line or stick with what she knows. So I'm excited for you to listen in. With that said, let's find out, is it worth it? I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. I've got a valuable freebie to go along with today's episode. It's my workbook on 100 wholesale buyer knows, which outlines all of the excuses that I used to give brands who weren't a great fit for our shelves back when I was a grocery buyer. This download helps you prepare for any possible no and teaches you how to change it into a yes. Find the free link in our show notes. Priya, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show today. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Great. Um, okay, so as I said in the introduction, today we're talking about whether you are going to expand your product line or stick with what we what you already know. So uh, before we jump into that, do you mind just giving everybody a quick introduction of yourself and uh, kind of what what you're doing over it on our gourmet foods? Sure. Well, thank you, Charlie. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Priya. I'm the founder and CEO of Anar Gourmet Foods. We craft all-natural, gluten-free seasoning kits for authentic infusion Indian food, and they're based on my family's South Indian recipes. Our products are perfect for people who love ethnic food, love to cook, and may be intimidated to cook Indian food. So people from online and the local Whole Foods, Giant Eagles, and specialty stores in the Pittsburgh area have given us all five-star reviews because of the delicious taste and ease of use of our sneezing, excuse me, seasonings with our recipes. We are thrilled with the response we have received from our customers. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's it's amazing um, to hear such wonderful reviews from from everybody. Now, Priya, you've been with us inside Retail Ready for I think for just under a year now. How how has that been for you? How have you seen your your business grow uh, during that time? So, yeah, tell us. Sure. So actually, my experience inside Retail Ready has been absolutely phenomenal. 
it has been instrumental in propelling me to that next level and beyond. Right now, I feel like that stone in a slingshot that's been recently <laughs> released, and I'm on my way to achieving my dreams. So what I love, I love, love, love about Retail Ready, the program, is that it provides practical, actionable step-by-step pathway and methods to get into retail, wholesale, and even the direct-to-consumer space and gain traction in those areas. So Retail Ready also provides the support entrepreneurs, particularly solopreneurs like me, really need and depend on to keep that motivation, that enthusiasm up. So what I love about you guys, (laughs) you, Ali, and Gabby have such a positive and supportive and most of all, inclusive environment with that zero tolerance policy for any sort of discrimination. It respects each one of us as diverse individuals. And there are very few groups that I feel like I belong to, as I always feel like that odd duck trying to like cluck like a chicken. (laughs) But here at Retail Ready, I feel I'm supported for who I am and what I do. So I have to thank you for all the support each one of you has provided to us. Wow. Priya, I thank you so much for saying that. I swear I did not tell Priya to say that. I am truly, truly touched. And I know Ali and Gabby and Abby will... Uh, feel the same when they when they hear this live on the podcast. So so truly truly thank you thank you for saying that. Um, I'm I'm so glad you you feel welcome in in our community and and I'm glad you've been able to to use it to to help the business grow. Um, speaking speaking of growth, uh, let's let's get into this topic. So we're we're talking about whether or not you're going to expand your product line and whether you or whether you should stay the course and keep doing what you're doing right so you we we know that you make indian spice blends um that's i guess that would be staying the course for for what you're doing but before we jump into maybe what this expansion could look like do you mind sort of setting the stage and giving a little background on the history of how you've gotten to this point to decide whether or not this this idea of expanding your your product line is something that you'd you'd want to do. Sure, Charlie. Well, my original concept started with selling my grandma's curry powder. It's not only unique to her village in South India, but also to her household, like our my household. And she passed this recipe along to me via my mom, and we don't deviate from it. It takes three to four hours to make a small batch of like couple of pounds, and we use that as a base in our seasonings. And we tried to deviate from this method and substitute ingredients that would be easier to use, and it just didn't taste the same. So really, it is quite irreplaceable. Our differentiation comes from using this curry powder as a base, and then applying it to my mom's homemade recipes, and then my own fusion Indian recipes. So I realized I have a knack for tailoring Indian spices to Western ingredients that are widely available in grocery stores, and offer customizable spicy heat uh, for for each kit. So this gives our seasoning kits a broad appeal that all can enjoy. And I want to offer this to people who love Indian food and don't know how to make it at home. So when I first started talking about this idea, people said, that's great. But then what do you do with the spices? <laughs> so that's how I got the idea for making dry Indian seasoning blends with easy recipes. And they're based on my mom's South Indian uh, recipes and my own fusion Indian um, twist that has broad appeal. So it's recipes that I say that even my 11-year-old can follow. He's 13 now, but when he was 11, <laughs> he could easily make these recipes. So it's I love super it. easy. Yeah. And since then, I've been offering dry Indian seasoning blends. However, I've noticed that the uptake of these seasonings 
which are family size. Like, I don't know how to cook anything less than like six person meals. So <laughs> not gaining traction as fast as I would like. So I've looked at different routes to get traction. And at the beginning of the pandemic, literally like March, 2020, I started a frozen food entree line. Great timing. So it didn't <laughs> go anywhere because people weren't browsing in the frozen food lines at that time and sure. doing pickup. So there were no sales. But I did learn a few things in the process. First of all, here's a funny story. Make sure you check your ingredients. So we actually made a batch of like 100 of these frozen food uh, entrees for our chicken tikka masala, which is a number one seller. It took eight hours to produce at the manufacturing facility. And my brought it home. My son taste tested it and he complained it was too sweet. I'm like, ah, what do you know? Absolutely <laughs> of him. And then I tried and I'm like, oh my God, that's way too sweet. So I love it. Been <laughs> and I started a flow chart, like what can have gone wrong? What did we do? And then we agonized it literally for three days till I went downstairs to the fridge and saw the container was like instead of using plain yogurt, we use vanilla yogurt. Ah. So the whole <laughs> patch had to be pitched. So I have oh, learned, no. first of all. Check your ingredients and never use vanilla yogurt for cooking with Indian food. I I love that. I love that story. Um, and and thank you for for sharing the story about kind of how you guys got here. Uh, I love the story behind the brand. I love your dedication to the original recipe. Um, I also ask my kids to taste test my products, so I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Bringing us back to the topic, let's just summarize this. So you you started thinking right at the beginning, you were just going to sell Indian these Indian spice blends inspired by your mom's recipes, um, and that people would use those to make their own Indian food at home, right? Right. And and then um, you had this idea you were going to create this frozen line. Uh, unfortunately, like timing didn't work out. You had this snafu with the the vanilla yogurt um, and you know, I don't know, you you might have, I don't know if you tested it or not, but um, basically nothing really, nothing really came of it. And you continued to pursue the idea of just sort of these, these Indian spice blends and helping people who loved Indian food create, uh, create Indian recipes at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now you are sort of revisiting maybe this idea of frozen ready to eat meals again. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Awesome. So now that we have this background, you, you, you told us that you kind of ran this test for the frozen foods in March, 2020. It didn't work out. Why, why is this coming up again? Right. Yes. <laughs> Sounds yes. like it was so... a traumatic story. Like <laughs> why, why, why would you want to do this to yourself again? <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. No. There you go. <laughs> well, Aren't we all in this world? <laughs> the idea came up again because at the beginning of this month, I actually was at the local uh, home and garden show and I was, uh, I had a booth there and okay. uh, I was demoing my samples and a woman approached me and she saw how many people just loved our food. And she talked about how popular a seasoning was. She happened to be from a local farm and was interested to see if we would do a frozen food entree line. And of course, I said, well, yes, I can do that. So even though we didn't have a final product ready to go, I knew we could figure it out because of our experience in this area. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I've I've had this happen a couple of times uh, where whether it's a buyer or a customer or somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, like, 
you should go make this product, right? Um, and I think at times it can be really exciting and sometimes validating, especially if that's like an idea that that you had in the back of your head that you've never really actually followed through with. Um, but you know, I think sometimes in the case of of a buyer, right? We they see products come and go, and I don't know. Sometimes as as brand owners, right, they become this authority on on what works and what doesn't, right? But at the end of the day, sometimes just because they think think it's a good idea, right, it doesn't always mean it's a good idea for for us as as a brand. Right. So when when you heard this information, I totally understand this feeling of like, oh wow, like really excited, like. I have to say yes, and I'm just going to figure out how to make it work. Uh, <laughs> what What did you do after that? Once you were able to be like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is this is this could be happening." Uh, what did you do after that to really like just be realistic with yourself about? Wait, is did, was saying yes a good idea? Should should yeah. I should I have said no? What I don't know. Tell, walk yeah. walk me through that 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 process. <laughs> Yeah. So after I celebrated this woman coming to my booth and asking me to, you know, about frozen food entree, I said, okay, oh, darn it. <laughs> now I have to <laughs> what to do about it. So I realized I had to reassess the cogs and really uh, go back to my manufacturer who helped us produce it again and see, are you even, would you even like to do that? So when I reassessed it, um, literally line item by line item, I realized that my costs had increased more than I expected. So I just needed to increase the MSRP because let's face it, the costs have increased across the market since the pandemic started. Yeah, it's funny to think about, right? You said March 2020 was when you launched, which was before all of the supply chain kind of issues and before all of the ingredients, you know, prices went up and all of that. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you were able to realize that sort of quickly before you were like, oh, hey, here's my old pricing that I used to have for this. Um, and then realize like, oh, wait, my costs have actually gone up, whatever, 10, 20, 50%. And now I have to go back to them and say like, actually, no, this is this is our new price. So um, yeah, anyway, glad, glad you were able to kind of figure that uh, early on. It also sounds like because you sort of, went through the manufacturing process of this to test this out, uh, you you already knew what to expect or you already at least had a frozen co-packer or, yeah. or like a, a way to to manufacture something on, on through a frozen supply chain, which I would say normally for a spice blend company wouldn't be sort of within their their radar, right? So you'd yes <laughs> you'd have to go through that process of figuring out which co-packer is going to work for you. So I'm, I'm glad that you had that as, as an experience that you could then learn from and, and use kind of going forward. Um, what about the sort of general opportunity cost of pursuing this, right? Just being devil's advocate here. Like why, why go spend your time producing frozen meals when you could continue producing your spice blends and sort of staying the course there and right you know they're working mm -hmm. why what what's what's this opportunity cost from a time money energy perspective versus just sort of moving forward with 
just the spice blends. Sure. So I perceive the opportunity cost of this project for offering frozen food to be about the same or maybe a little bit higher than the amount of labor and time and effort it costs to produce the seasoning kits. So honestly, I just have to see how it pans out. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a totally fair, fair answer, right? I mean, we, we don't know how any of these projects, experiments are going to pan out, right? Uh, The best thing that we can do is prepare ourselves so that they pan out as well as we, we want them to, right? There's, there's risk associated with, with all of the, the changes we decide to make, but right. You've got your, your manufacturing set up. You now have a better understanding of your, your cost of goods sold. Um, you're, you're potentially sort of more comfortable with this supply chain, right. Of how it could play out this time around. Right. Yes, uh, exactly. So what about, what about your target audience, right? You have these people that are already loyal customers of yours that are buying your spice blends. How do you see this new line of products helping them, right? Is this a way to find new customers? I don't know. Is there a chance this will cannibalize sales of your spices? Well, Charlie, what do you think? I, I actually absolutely think it will help my target audience. Um, I think it's so important to listen to customers and do some market research. I know I haven't fully tested out my product uh, on the market, but, you know, as an example, I had kind of left the frozen food entree as a product for purchase on my website. And I saw that people were ordering even when it was marked unavailable. Um, uh, in addition that. <laughs> to that. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't fulfill your order. And then my neighbor down the street ended up up buying all my leftover frozen food entrees when they didn't sell in the store. And she said she absolutely loved that it was ready to heat and eat with perfect dinner portions and like reasonable calories for dinner. So I've also did some market research and saw that the trend for Indian foods on the rise. Um, So one of the stats I remember is that 57% of millennials and Gen Zs prefer uh, Indian food to, uh, to other ethnic cuisines, and they don't cook as much as home, and they actually buy frozen food mar- entrees. Mm. So, um, yeah, so currently we have a niche market with customers who love Indian food and love to cook at home. So this will, I believe, will just expand that pie of customers who love Indian food and cater to their needs. So right now I'm missing out on all these people who just don't have the time to cook and just need to grab a quick frozen food entree for a quick meal. And, you know, in terms of, cannibalizing my product, as you mentioned, I don't think it really will because my target audience likes to cook. But if they're busy during the weekdays, this is something that they can easily nuke and and eat. And it's nutritious. It's all natural and just doesn't have any preservatives. I love it. I love I love all the data points here. I, I also completely agree that it's really, really important to listen to your customers. And I think even as you as you say this out loud, I think back to what you said earlier in the podcast uh, when you were talking about kind of what a, what a, what you wanted to bring to the market for consumers at the beginning, right? Because when I think about this ready-to-eat product that you're offering, you're you're kind of just giving your consumers an easier way to enjoy your spice blends, right? So instead of, for example, launching a line of chutneys or 
something, some other sort of condiment that would go with their meal, right? You are taking the spices and putting them in a dish that they can literally heat and eat. Um, and, and so you're basically just making this easier for them as opposed to like creating this new product line that requires more consumer education, right? And e even just thinking back to the fact that you just wanted to make it easier for people to love and cook authentic Indian food. And this seems like a very logical step to, to do that without losing your existing customers. Now, it will be interesting to see how this, I think, how things play out. If, if you do decide to move forward with the launch to see, okay, well, maybe everybody does love cooking and, you know, they're, they're using, they're still using your spice blends most of the week. But as you said, maybe some of those, uh, some of those days, they just need something to throw in the, the microwave or whatever and, and heat up quickly. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I can see, I can see both happening, but I think it'll be important to sort of pay attention to, uh, to the data there to just, so just see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So when we think about what's next for you, right? You talked about how your cost of goods sold for this is higher than you originally expected. I would say the frozen distribution channel is more complicated than the dry distribution channel. Right. So you've got a couple of things, a couple of things stacked against you, right? Compared to maybe just going the easy way and just continuing to make your spice blends in the dry supply chain. What is it going to take to make this this jump to frozen ready to eat meals? Well, this is certainly getting me out of my comfort zone, which I know I need to kick <laughs> to get out of it sometimes. So as of now, Charlie, we are bootstrapping it. So whenever I look at a new channel, um, such as this frozen food uh, meals, I look at the associated costs and the payment terms to make sure that the costs are covered. So in this case, uh, when this buyer approached me, I'm lucky because my distributor shares, shares the same sort of doc space with her, uh, with their company. And he also has a frozen food freezer space. Got so it. Okay. Now, yeah. It's, so it should work. And then what I'll do is reassess costs of producing this line for other stores. You know, if, when we think about shipping to a frozen, through a frozen fruit distributor channel. So there are more considerations to think of later down the line, but for now, I think what, what I have to offer should work. Got it. Okay. Okay, great. So if we bring everything back to this sort of original question um, and just think about what you said so far, right? You mentioned you, you've gotten this one buyer who's expressed interest. You have this distributor that shares a doc, so that makes things easier. You have some data from your website about consumers that are ordering the product, even though it's out of stock, which is always you know a great sign, right? Uh, how, how are you gonna prove to yourself that this was sort of the right path to take. Um, and I guess it sounds like this 
retailer slash distributor will be a way to test it at a small scale without maybe overinvesting some time and money that the business might re- need right now to like really make it viable so that you don't sort of say, hey, I'm going all in on this and with like fingers crossed, hoping that it's going to work and then it doesn't work. And you're like, wait, I need my money back. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tell me, walk, walk me through how, I don't know, for, for you, what what success is going to look like and I don't know, how how, how you'll feel happy about this decision six months from now. So, uh, Charlie, I've heard the expression recently that opportunity opportunity is a short visitor. Mm-hmm. So what I do is, you know, take the time to assess this opportunity cost. The current benchmark I use is the amount of time, effort, and cost it would take to make my seasoning kits for direct-to-consumer retail. Then I use that same criteria to gauge if this new venture for frozen foods will take more time or less time, effort, and payout. And if it's the same or even slightly higher, but it's generating sales, then that's a green light to me. So I'm going to see if this idea is viable if this buyer who approached me reorders after that initial cost. So that's where I know, okay, there's something to this idea. So that's how I'm 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 looking at it right now. I love it. It sounds it sounds like you may have may have listened to this podcast one or two times because <laughs> you're you're following all of all of the advice that I, I, I may have given in the past. So uh, I love it. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously this sounds like a really exciting opportunity for you. I think you do have a lot of sort of pieces lined up. I'm glad you got to, I mean, glad you experienced this uh, in a very small way early on in the pandemic so that you can now use that. And, um, and, and maybe you never even thought you would be relaunching the frozen line, but I think, I think, hopefully that that data that you that you got from that experiment will help you make this the best the best it can possibly be so i, I with that said priya thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast i can't wait to hear how this uh how this goes for you please please keep us updated in the the facebook group and and share with everybody the the wins associated with it um and uh, tell tell all of, our, all of our listeners where can people find you, and what what's the best place to to try out all of your spices and eventually your your frozen meal kits. Oh sure, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you can find us online at www.anargourmetfoods.com. That's a and as in Nancy a r gourmetfoods with an s dot com, or through online distributions at Fair uh, through Specialty Food Association's Infinite Isle. Uh, we are also getting onto the unified direct marketplace within the next couple of weeks. And you can find us in the local area. Yeah. In uh, Whole Foods, market districts. And as of last week in the fresh times in the area and other natural stores like. Love it. Yeah. Naturally Sorghum, <laughs> Nose, Harvard, Harvest Valley, T-Bones and Wexford area. And of course, you can always email me. I'm quite accessible at customer service at anargourmetfoods.com. So, you know, Charlie, I just want to thank you and Retail Ready for this opportunity to contribute to the group and share my experience with like-minded food, foodie entrepreneurs. And I'm so glad I'm able to give back to this amazing, amazing forum that you have built, you, Ali, and Gabby. And I believe there's a new person that has joined. Abby. Abby, Abby yes. Person, that have created to help emerging foodie entrepreneurs like me get on store shelves and stay there. 
Uh, Priya, thank you. Thank you so much. I absolutely loved this conversation. You are welcome back on the podcast anytime. Uh, best of luck in pursuing this this new this new project. Uh, and um, thank you everybody for for tuning in to this episode with Priya from On Our Gourmet Foods. This is exactly the type of one-on-one consulting that I do for retail ready students day in and day out. I can't wait to hear what you thought of our episode and I will see you in our Retail Ready Facebook group for continued conversation and I'll be back in your ears next month. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.